Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. So my name is Sion. I'm one of the pastors college students here, and I have the privilege uh, before you to read from Proverbs 31. So please follow along in your Bible or on the screen above from Proverbs 31. This is God's word, and it is eternally true. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. Her heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. You too. Somebody say that. Thanks. We, along with most churches in America, I suppose, set aside Mother's Day to give attention to the topic of motherhood. This is a topic and a calling that God himself very much honors, and we honor it as well as his people. But I'll tell you what, this is my first Mother's Day sermon to try to preach, and it turns out to be pretty difficult, because when you're touching on motherhood, you're touching on sexuality, and when you're touching on sexuality today, you're touching raw nerves everywhere. And as I tried to prepare, I was just, all the, your lives are on my mind, all the complications and the circumstances of your lives were on my mind, and almost kept me from having anything to say because I was just going to have to give a whole series of caveats. Finally, yesterday I called my wife and I just said, help me, talk me through this, pray for me. And that was helpful. I just decided, I'm going to try my best to give you what God's word says 
about this topic of motherhood today from this great chapter of his word. In honor of this day, we're going to be talking about how to better relate to the Proverbs 31 woman. The words of this chapter are the words of a mother, the unknown, or un, yeah, the unnamed mother of an unknown king, King Lemuel. We know his name, we know virtually nothing else with any certainty about him. But here he is giving the last word, the book of Proverbs, words that his mother taught him. And in so doing, she has left us a magnificent portrait of godly femininity, of godly womanhood. The Proverbs 31 woman is not a wallflower. She is not a, she's not window dressing. She is confident, industrious, trustworthy, kind, enterprising, wise, hardworking, compassionate, generous, thrifty, smart, and good. And above all those things, she's happy, settled, and at peace with regard to her calling as a woman. Uh, she's not carrying around a chip on her shoulder about it, thinking she got the raw deal. She doesn't have time for that. She's busy. Busy being what God made her to be. Being that to the fullest extent of her ability. It's an amazing portrait. And it is a timeless epitome. She is the timeless epitome as a portrait of feminine godliness. Now it's true that one or two of the aspects of her description, of her, of particularly of specific pursuits and activities of hers, are outdated. They're antiquated. When it says in verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle, we're talking about making thread from wool and other things for the purpose of making clothes and blankets. Now, you might do that. God bless you if you do, but it's a hobby. It's not of necessity. We can go to Walmart and we get all that stuff real cheap, real easy. But her description generally, and certainly descriptions of her character and what motivates her, her attitudes, her outlook, what her concerns are, these things are timeless. Now, interestingly, I'm finding that more and more, and even this week, many women, including many godly women, have a kind of uneasy, stressful, maybe even a bit resentful relationship with this Proverbs 31 woman. The pastors warned me that there would likely be a bit of eye rolling um, when this text was, uh, was announced that I just needed to, like, their advice to me was just, just try to push through it, ignore it. <laughs> At first, I didn't understand why that would be, but I thought about it for, like, half a second, and I realized <laughs> some of the reasons. Proverbs 31 is the go-to text in churches all over the country right now, today, for in honor of Mother's Day. So maybe if you've just heard it so many times, you're just <laughs> sick of hearing it. Maybe you think it's tired or hackneyed or whatever. That's one possibility. Perhaps the Proverbs 31 woman seems like an unrealistic or unachievable standard, one you could never possibly measure up to and you resent being reminded of. She spins her own wool. Her household are all clothed in scarlet. I feed my kids cold hot dogs for lunch. I can't keep up with the laundry. No matter how many alarms I set, I can't seem to get out of bed in the morning. I don't want to hear about her. Thank you very much. That's probably how, if there's resentment about this woman, it's probably how most of us feel. Maybe you don't find this portrait of godly womanhood, or maybe you do find this kind of patronizing, kind of antiquated, kind of out of touch with the way people, the way society operates today. Maybe you don't like hearing about Womanhood from a man. Here I am. One way or another, I doubt that very many or any of us got up this morning thinking, yes, I get to hear a sermon about Proverbs 31. And that's actually my main concern for talking to you today. It is sad to me as a pastor, as your pastor, to think that women 
have a difficulty relating to this woman or appreciating her or live in a thankful relationship to this picture of godly femininity. And my goal today, possible with God's help, is to ask you women to reconsider your relationship to her, what she means to you, how you feel about her, in the hope that you would come away more glad and even maybe relieved that this is the picture of godly femininity that the Lord has left for you in his word. It's not my goal to lay heavy burdens on your shoulders. It is actually my goal, if possible, to lift them off, at least the ones that have no business being there. I want to look at three things today that I think will complicate your relationship, women, to this Proverbs 31 woman ideal. You remember the comedian Jeff Foxworthy? You might be a redneck. I kind of want to approach it that way. You, you probably have a difficult or troubled relationship to the Proverbs 31 woman if, okay? So three things. Here's the first one. You're going to likely have a difficult or troubled relationship to this picture of godly femininity in the Bible if, number one, you think she's beneath you. If you think she's beneath you. The woman described in Proverbs 31 is fleshing out for us God's purpose. She is, she is the fleshing out of God's purpose for making woman as distinct for man. Okay? That's what this portrait is. It's the fleshing out of the distinction of woman from man. If you don't like God's purposes for in doing that, then you won't like Lemuel's mom's portrait of this lady. What are God's purposes for the sexes? He made man in his image. That's the inclusive man. This is Genesis 1. He made man in his image in the, and, and in his likeness in two types, male and female. That was from the beginning. Men and women are not the same. Nor are they made to fulfill the same function in this world. God made the man first, and he made the woman second. And that is reflective of a hierarchy or a rank. Not in relationship to himself, because both men and women bear his image equally, and both of them are fellow and co-heirs of the grace of life. So not in relationship to God, but in relationship to one another in this world, God has given a higher position to the man. He made woman for the man, not man for the woman. He made man to bear more responsibility than the woman. And there's all kinds of ways you could talk about that, all the way from the broadness of his shoulders and his physique and design, how God made him to bear more weight. But the, if you really want to get to the bottom of it, it, you go right back to Genesis 3, at the fall of man into sin. And what we know from Scripture is that it was not when Eve ate the forbidden fruit that man fell into sin, but when her husband Adam ate. He is our federal head. He bore ultimate responsibility for all of us. That's by God's design. God made woman weaker than man. He did that. He made her softer better suited to the nurture of children. He made her more instinctively nurturing than men. He gave her a womb. He gave her breasts. He gave her the unique honor of bearing children. And by extension, God made the woman's priority to be the home. Not exclusively, if you were paying any attention to Proverbs 31, that woman is all over the place doing all kinds of things. She's not just like, she's not a recluse. She's not cooped up in her home. She is active in the community. She's active in trade and business in the community. But it's also clear that her priority and her domain is unapologetically the home. That is her sphere, her home base. 
All of that can easily be demonstrated from Scripture. That's just right down the middle, biblical sexuality, biblical anthropology, God's design for the sexes. How does God feel about it? He loves it. He loves it. This is how he designed things, and he loves what he designed. This is not a function of sin. This is not the unfortunate way we have to figure out how to get along because there's this, uh, this perpetual war between the sexes, and so we have to find ways of getting along. That's not where hierarchy and authority and all of these things flow from. These are not social constructs. This is by God's design from the first. And he looked on all that he had made, and behold, it's very good, he said. It's very good. I like it that way. That's how I like it. Now, every generation has its particular sins, its particular truths in God's word that it despises and works against and tries to overturn, okay? You can kind of look back over history and identify what those places of of rebellion are. In our day, there's lots, but the main one is all the things I just said, everything I was just talking about, biblical anthropology, the nature of man, God's design and purpose for the sexes, completely hated. Our culture has a complete rejection, wholesale rejection of God's truth at these places. That God, that God created and bifurcated sexuality into two, male and female. That it, we don't exist on a, a continuum of genders. That sexual union between a man and a woman is reserved for a man and a woman in marriage, lifelong. That one of the sexes he has assigned generally to the labor of the field. And one of the other sex he has assigned generally to the labor of the home. That each assigned sex functions as a kind of calling or duty that was laid upon us by God's choice at the moment of our conception and is written down into the deepest parts of our DNA. That it is our privilege and duty to faithfully live out and fulfill that calling to the best of our abilities according to our unique gifts and capacities. As I said, the spirit of this age is diametrically, diabolically opposed to that truth, to those truths, what God's word teaches. And to whatever degree that you have imbibed the spirit of this age, is the degree to which you are going to look at the Proverbs 31 woman and not approve of her. Okay? The degree to which you've imbibed the spirit of our age and its hatred of God's truth and purpose for the sexes is the degree to which you will look at Proverbs 31 woman and not like what you see. Disapprove of her. Think that she's somehow beneath you, benighted. You're going to think that the woman who labors under the assumption that she exists to serve her husband, to give birth to and care for his children, and to devote her energies primarily to caring for the home, is a woman in need of liberation, of enlightenment. That she's in need of your pity and concern. No woman like that could possibly be happy. She must be depressed all the time. But you know, if you read Proverbs 31, you know what stands out? She's not looking for your pity. (laughs) Not a bit. She's not even worried about you. She embraces her calling and is happy and content in it. She's not chafing against it. She's owning it. I challenge you to find the slightest indication in Proverbs 31 that that ideal woman taught to a son by his mother, his mother, find any, the slightest indication that she's the least bit unsatisfied or lacking in joy or interesting work and fulfilling things to do with her life. 
She embraces the challenge that God has put before her in faith, and she goes about busily fulfilling it. Women, have you embraced your calling as a woman? Have you embraced it in faith before God? It is the way to be happy. Happy. God is good. His ways are good. His paths are pleasant paths. And his commands are not burdensome. They're freeing and liberating. Not that the Christian life or the life of obedience or the life of womanhood especially is easy. It ain't. It ain't. But it is the path that leads to joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. And that's because God is good. And he's a good designer. And his blessing rests upon those who are fulfilling his design, his pleasure. The world is not going to encourage you in this direction in the least. You know that. Anybody know that? Felt that recently? There is absolutely no encouragement to be found in this world right now in the direction of godliness at the point of our sex. Whole world in a heyday of rebellion. But you know what's more valuable than the approval of the world? God's pleasure. A sense that God approves that God is pleased is so deeply satisfying that you could even come to say in faith and by experience at times, you can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Give me God's approval. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm living for. Whose approval, whose smile are you living for? You living for the satisfaction that comes from the approval of others other men and women, the world, are you living for the amazing, incredible satisfaction and approval that comes from fulfilling God's purpose and having his pleasure rest upon you? Women, I appeal to you today to embrace your calling as a woman. It is good. God did not make a mistake. He has a purpose in mind, and it's a good and worthy and noble purpose. It is wonderful, and we testify to you today that we believe it's good that God made you a woman. We want to see you embrace it because that's what's going to lead to your happiness and joy and freedom. What can be more fulfilling? than carrying out, realizing, living out the purpose of your existence before God. Well, that's the first thing. If you are going to have trouble with the Proverbs 31 woman, if you think that she's somehow beneath you, somebody, some poor benighted soul in need of rescuing and pity, she's not. She's not looking for it. Thank you very much. She's happy. Secondly, you're going to have a troubled relationship with the Proverbs 31 woman if you won't accept her being always above you. Unattainable. Out of reach. If you aren't content just being a small reflection of her ideal. The Proverbs 31 woman is an ideal. There aren't very many women in this world who can keep up with her, with her excellence, with her industry, with her ma the things that she seems to have mastery over with ease are just incredible. You're never going to have a peaceful, easy, uncomplicated relationship with the Proverbs 31 woman if you can't understand that she is an ideal and the way ideals work. So I want to step away from Proverbs 31 into a world we're more familiar with, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ideal man, human, 
man. Okay? He's got all the gifts. He's got all the graces. He is the fullness. Okay? The fullness of humanity. And as Scripture says, it is our obligation, these are the words of Paul in Ephesians 4, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. That's to be our aim and our ambition as believers. And yet, how much of Jesus' fullness can any of us individually expect ever to achieve? More. That's it. We can hope to achieve more. By God's grace, we do achieve more. The help of his spirit, day by day. We are to aim at Jesus all. He's the standard by which we're measured. But at the same time, we've got to be modest and humble about that. We are not all. And we are not going to be all in of ourselves. Certainly not ever in this life. Not if we lived a thousand lives. But with God's help, we can always grow to be more like Jesus. When Jesus glorifies us someday, we will, be perfectly, we will perfectly reflect that part, that part of his fullness, which he has made us to perfectly reflect. But it will still just be a part. Jesus will always be all and the fullness. Still, he's the yardstick by which each of us are to be measured. He's the standard. And being like him in his fullness is always and ever to be our ambition. But he would not have us be despairing or despondent or to give up because we'll never achieve unto the fullness. Do you understand? Jesus would not have that. That's not faith. He's come to set us free and to give us an abundant life and a satisfying life in pursuing him and enjoying him. I think Proverbs 31 is a little bit like that. It's like that for women making a claim to godliness. There she is, the epitome of godly womanhood. She's there for you sisters to aspire to knowing that you will not achieve the fullness of her perfections. Who could? Have you ever read Proverbs 31? My mom had a friend, has a friend, had a friend. Carol Cameron is her name. I think Carol had how many sons? Oh, just seven? I told everybody it was 10 or 11 in the first service. Probably felt like that to her. She had seven sons. And I remember when I was young, I heard her make this comment. I can't remember why she said it, what context is in, but she said, you know, before I had children, I was a nice person. <laughs> Such a nice person. We don't get a lot of that. We don't get the curtain pulled back on the Proverbs 31 woman, do we? She's just an ideal. Now, my own mother, Valerie, flew pretty high with regard to the Proverbs 31 woman ideal. But if she was, I mean, if you held her up against the ideal and looked at it honestly, she would fall short in many respects. And if she were here today, she would be nodding and affirming that and saying amen. Are you content to be measured against such a standard, such an ideal, and forever fall short of it, and still hold your head up high as an accepted and approved of daughter of the king of your father through the merits of your savior? And can you have faith in enjoying God's acceptance to still strive to be more like her ideal. That's the life of faith. We understand that when it comes to our relationship to Jesus Christ. This is Gospel Basics 101, sanctification based on the acceptance and the merits of Jesus Christ that we pursue, knowing that we're, we couldn't add to 
our salvation one iota, or God's approval of us one iota. He sees Jesus in us. And yet, we are still called to aspire to be like Jesus and to pursue him out of, out of this place of security and acceptance. I think it's similar, ladies, in this picture, this ideal of biblical femininity. There she is. She's the yardstick. God approves of you. Now try to be more like her. I want to take this comparison with Jesus just a little bit further. The church together is Christ's body, and we are all individually, these are the words of Scripture, we are all individually members of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And we each have our different gifts and abilities, different measures of grace. We are not to look askance at one another and to judge one another for being less like Jesus than we think we, think we are, or less a part of the body because you're not a part that has the honor that we think it has. I think of myself as a hand, maybe, and I look at somebody else over here, and I think that they're a pinky toe. And I don't really think, you know, I, don't, I, th- I think they're beneath me. That's not how we're to live. You know this. This is how Scripture tells us to honor one another and to, to love one another and to encourage one another and to see each other as a vital part of the body of Christ. We are, not, we are to use our strengths, the strengths that God has given us by His Spirit in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the form of gifts of the Spirit. We're to use those strengths to help those who are weak or that we perceive to be behind us in faith. To support them, encourage them, to bring them along, to help them. And so it is with the ideals of Proverbs 31. Women... Don't go around feeling superior to one another based on how you feel you measure up to this woman. Rather, help and encourage one another to strive to be more like her. The older are to teach and encourage the younger. The strong are to support and help the weak. And... Don't be jealous of one another. If we held each woman in here up against the Proverbs 31 woman, we would find places where each woman is stronger and each woman is weaker in, by comparison. And you might look around and you'd say, well, that woman, I, man, she's got a lot, she ticks a lot of boxes as far as I can tell. And you might be tempted to be envious of her and to be jealous and to feel depressed and discouraged about yourself. Please don't do that. What a waste. Be content where God has you. Don't beat each other over the head with Proverbs 31. That's what I'm trying to say. And don't beat yourself over the head by comparisons to other women in the church. You all have the same ideal to aspire to, but not everybody has the same capacities or gifts or, or stations. And this is key. You're not all starting from the same place. <laughs> Some of you, many of you, are first-generation godly women. And that's difficult. You got a lot to figure out. You maybe didn't have a good model of biblical femininity to follow and to be shaped and formed by in your childhood. So would you be patient? This is going to sound like self-helpy. Be patient with yourself. Okay? And please be patient with one another. Do not trust your achievements with respect to Proverbs 31, but trust in the sufficiency and the merits of Jesus Christ. Okay? And from that place, try to grow more like her. Are you content to have the Proverbs 31 woman always out in front of you and always out of reach? 
If not, then you're going to have a difficult and a troubled relationship to her. She's going to feel oppressive and overwhelming. Are then too, this is also equally important, are you content to have some others in the church out ahead of you and some others behind you and to live in that place where God has, has you right now today with graciousness and faith and hope for the future and love for one another that abounds? If not, then you're going to have a difficult and troubled relationship with one another. So here's what I want your aspiration to be, women. How can I grow this year a little bit more like the godly woman described in Proverbs 31? And how can I graciously encourage my sisters and help them grow along with me? Okay? That's your aspiration. And now our last point. You're going to have a difficult time relating to the Proverbs 31 woman if you are controlled by different fears than she has. One of the things that shines through in this portrait of a godly woman is this woman's settled peace, her seeming lack of insecurity or inner conflict about her calling or the circumstances of her life. She is strong and consistent, steady and unflappable. Now, of course, given all the things she's doing, you know she's encountering trouble and pushback and disappointments and difficult circumstances and loss and grief and all the things that we experience in our lives. But she, seems, she, she does not seem to be thrown unhorsed by it. She does not seem to be deflated or demoralized by it. Her emotions seem to be stable. She's hardworking, puts in late nights and early mornings, but worry and fear are not what's driving her on. Her outlook is sunny. This is actually the line that drew me to this text. I didn't even remember at first where it came from, but this is what God put into my head as I was thinking, what on earth do I say on Mother's Day? This is the line. It's from verse 25. She smiles at the future. She smiles at the future. She seems to be a woman entirely free of fear, and anxiety. How annoying. (laughs) How annoying that must be. The fearlessness of the Proverbs 31 woman may be her most difficult quality to relate to. Yet it seems to be the thing that pervades her existence and makes her what she is. She's not obsessively comparing herself to others. She's not anxious about many things like Martha was as she waited on Jesus and his friends. Martha, you're anxious about many things. She prepares for the future. She's not a Pollyanna. She's no idiot. (laughs) She knows what probabilities are and She knows she's discerning. She can anticipate certain outcomes. She's not unaware of risks and challenges. She prepares for the future, but not because she fears it. Quite the opposite. She looks at tomorrow with hope and the expectation of good things to come. Can you relate to her? In my experience as a husband and a pastor, this is a very uncommon quality for a woman to enjoy. This kind of fearless hopefulness about tomorrow. 
Both men and women struggle with fear, and the older I get, the more I experience, the more I learn about myself, the more I understand that fear is a massive challenge for all of us to face. But it does seem to be generally more intense and more common, more of a struggle with women. And, and that's understandable. That's understandable. Women are more vulnerable in this world. We're all pretty vulnerable if we stopped and thought about it for half a second. But you know, women, you're more vulnerable. You're weaker. There are scary things in this world. And there's more reason or cause to be afraid. And yet fearlessness is the very quality Scripture admonishes women especially to possess. Fearlessness. I want to take you to 1 Peter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is the Apostle Peter writing with instruction for women. And here's what he says. For in this way, women, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. There's a scary thing. Submitting to your husband. Trusting yourself to fallible authority. Well, here's how the holy women of old did it. They did that. They submitted to their own husbands. That's how they adorned themselves. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. It's a fearful thing to submit to authority. It takes faith. And where does faith come from? It comes from fear. Now that may seem circular. Let me explain. It turns out that the Proverbs 31 woman is not, after all, fearless. Neither was Sarah. They just have a different fear than most. A fear that sets them free from the bondage to lesser fears and other fears. Look at verse 28 of Proverbs 31. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. A woman who fears the Lord. That's the secret to the, her success, the Proverbs 31 woman's success, to her praiseworthiness, to her enjoyment of the fruit of her labors and the accolades of her accomplishments. Fear is unavoidable. You're going to have it, and it must find something to fixate on. Your life is going to be dominated and controlled and directed and motivated by whatever it is that you fear. The question is not whether you're going to be afraid. It's going to be what you fear, who you fear. Now, Jesus admonishes us all to fear the Lord. He says in Luke 12, verses 4 and 5, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You can fear God or you can fear man. But you can't fear in both directions. Pastor Tim said that many times, and it's true. The fear of the Lord sets you free 
from the crippling fear of man and circumstances. It's not like those other fears. And that's why it's the antidote to those fears. To fear God is to fear the one who can not only kill you, but after that, eternally damn you to hell. But it's not like a cowering fear that we're being called to. It's a humble recognition of his sovereign authority and power. Yes, perfectly expressed by saying he has the authority to condemn you to hell. But it's not like a cowering fear that keeps us huddled over in a corner waiting for the next shoe to drop. It remembers that God is merciful and good, faithful and true. And that if we turn to him in repentance, he gladly, willingly receives us and gives us the kingdom. And that if we turn to him, he will never cast us out. He will own us as his own true child and love us faithfully as only a perfect father can. He puts a spirit within us, a new spirit, a spirit of hope and of believing and of joy and trust. That's what it means to fear God. Not at least in the way that he commands us and Jesus commands us to fear God. It's to trust him, to live to please him because he is so good. To concern yourself with having his approval and knowing that you do, warts and all, sin and everything. And you can't do anything to subtract from it or add to it. It's to hope in his goodness and to enjoy his favor purchased for you by the blood of his son. It's to trust in his unfailing provision and protection. It's to rest in his promise to never leave or forsake you, that if even if your father or mother or husband forsakes you, God will take you up. It's to believe that no weapon formed against you can prosper. That the sovereign God works all things together for your eternal joy and good. Even the, and especially the difficult things. That is the fear of the Lord. And it is the antidote to all other fears and anxieties of life. It doesn't make you insensitive suddenly to whatever other people think. It doesn't make you like impervious to difficulties and pain. If you didn't have sensitivity to pain, if you didn't have a desire for the approval of others, you wouldn't be human and you couldn't get on in this world. But when God is on the throne and you're secure under his protection and love and fidelity, then all of those things, all those other concerns take their proper place and proportion. You put any other fear in the place that, God, that belongs to God and it becomes a horrible tyrant in your life. To the degree to which you fear the Lord is the degree to which you will be able to relate to, thankfully, joyfully, the Proverbs 31 woman. And try to start following her example and being shaped more and more into her ideal. The fear of the Lord is the key to her strength. And it frees her to be all that she is. You want to be like her? It starts with fear. 
the fear of the Lord. Sisters, the Proverbs 31 woman is the epitome of feminine godliness. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you never married. Maybe you married, but God hasn't given you children. There is still a lot to learn about femininity and godly womanhood from that lady. Linda Skaggs. Linda, if you're watching, we love you. Linda, never married, never had children. She's got a lot of kids. So many kids that she has loved on and owns as her own and takes special joy and delight in and who delight in her in return. She's a woman. She's embraced it. It's beautiful. Don't resent the Proverbs 31 woman. Have faith in God that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Have faith to look to her example and seek to grow more into her likeness, humbly, modestly, knowing that you are accepted of the Father through Jesus Christ. Your salvation does not depend on how well you conform to the Proverbs 31 woman, but only depends on whether you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and have received of God's forgiveness and acceptance of you through him by faith. But from that place of acceptance, look to that model, women, in faith and hope, humbly, modestly, seeking to be conformed more and more into her likeness. This is the example God has given you in his word for what he would like you to see you become. To his glory and the good of this world. Sisters, today we all rise up, mothers especially, and we call you blessed. We're so thankful for you, for your faith, for your willingness to follow the Lord. It strengthens us all. God bless you, dear sisters. Keep it up. Keep following the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would help us to understand it, to know it, to love it, and to be um, blessed by your spirit to become more and more like what it says, to follow your ways and your paths, and to experience more and more the blessing and the joy that comes from that. I pray especially today for all of the women, the wives, the mothers, those who hope to be, those who are looking back on having been or what might have been. And I pray that you would bless them all with an extra sense of your pleasure and approval and that their work is not in vain. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.